All right, the Bible says, Revelation 2.1, Under the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored, and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. Because thou hast left thy first love. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent. And do the first works or else I will come unto thee quickly. And will remove that candlestick out of his place. Except thou repent. Let's pray. Lord thank you for tonight. Thank you for this church. Lord I love this place. I love these people Lord. And I thank you. God you've been abundantly good to us. Yes. Each and every day Lord. In so many different ways Lord. We don't even really consider most of the ways that you bless us right. Lord. On a daily basis and lord we just want to thank you we thank you for Amen. our pastor for our church god we yes. thank you for the heritage and the yes. legacy of this place but god we want to love you right now Amen. god help there never to be a time lord in our lives that we've loved you more that we've been closer to you than we are right now right. god if if that is the case i pray you would point it out for me yes. tonight that you would point it out for us tonight yes. god help us to love you lord we don't know how much time we may have left before you come back or before um, God, we may die and be with you, Lord, but God, we want to love you and use the chance that we have now to serve you. Amen. God, I need your help. I pray you give me the right words and thoughts and spirit to get this across in a way that will please you, Lord. Please, I ask that the weight of your truth would lay heavy on each heart tonight, God, Amen. and God, that you would turn us into what you want us to be yes. and who you want us to be, Lord. Amen. And God, help us to hear your voice through the preaching tonight, God. These people certainly don't need to hear from me, but God, we all need to hear from That's you right. today. And Lord, I pray you would please do that for us. I pray you would help us to love you more as a result and to serve you more. Lord, thank you for your goodness to us. And thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Amen. In Revelation 2 here, it's a letter written to the church of Ephesus. Ephesus was a great church, folks. They had a godly heritage a great history. They lived in holiness. They were a hardworking church. This is the same uh, church that was written to some 40 years before by the Apostle Paul, as we know, the book of Ephesians. Right. They were a great church, a model church, a exemplary church. They labored, they believed right, they served, and they sacrificed. I talked a bit about their godly heritage. Some of the greatest preachers in all of the Bible in that day and age they either were the pastor at this church or they had a significant ministry here at this church. Paul was there for three years. Apollos was there. Um, Timothy, the books of First and Second Timothy in your New Testament. Timothy was the pastor of the church of Ephesus. And at this time, we know John is writing the book of the Revelation. John was the pastor of the church of Ephesus. As we know at this point, he's on the Isle of Patmos as a prisoner for his faith, but he was the pastor before this time. So it had a great heritage and it had a great history. Folks, they labored, they believed right, they served and they, were, they sacrificed. Yet unseen to the eyes of everyone else but our Savior, there was a problem lurking deep below the surface. Verse number five really, really strikes me. It's very strongly worded. And it's just power packed from beginning to end. Verse number five, if you look at it with me. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works. Folks, time out. 
This is not just John writing to these people. This is not Paul. This is not one of the apostles. This is Jesus speaking to this church directly. All of these words are in red in most of your Bibles. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works. Get this. Or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. That came out of the mouth of Jesus to this church. There was this problem lurking deep below the surface. No one else saw, but our Savior did. And his stern warning to this church is this. I believe this is what verse number five is saying. Fix the problem. Fix the problem. Don't try to excuse it. Don't try to work around it. Don't say we do a lot of other good things. Fix the problem. Hey, folks, I'm not here to be um, brutal. I'm not here to beat anybody up. I'm not here to be discouraging. I do think we have a great church, and I think we, we, there's been a great church at this place for, for almost 50 years. I really believe that with all my heart. With all my heart. I think we have great people, sacrificial people, people that work hard for the Lord. You teach classes. By the way, our, our Sunday school teachers, our bus captains, and those that work on it, I get it. You, put, you go the extra mile. You put in the extra effort. I get it. You don't just show up on Sunday and do your routine and go home. I know there's preparation. There's prayer that goes into it. You're spending money out of your own pocket many times to invest in those young people. I get it. I understand. I think this room is filled with those kind of people that teach every class and that work on every route. And many people are faithful. They're in it through the long haul. And I appreciate that. But listen, could there be, could there be in your heart or in my tonight? Could it be in our church that there's a problem? It's lurking below the surface. We may look like good Christians. We may look like fundamental Baptists. We may be here on a Sunday night. We may sing the right songs, preach the right Bible, do all the right things. But maybe there's a problem beneath the surface tonight. You know what Jesus is saying? Jesus, in mincing words, he's not, he's not uh, using flowery language. You know what he's saying? Fix the problem. This message is not from Tom tonight. You know what Jesus is saying? Fix the problem. Fix the problem. Fix the problem. Because if we don't fix the problem, it will only grow bigger and bigger. And one day, it may not be today. It may not be five years from now. But if this problem continues to exist and to fester, Over time, it'll overcome and overtake the rest of our lives. And mark it down. One of these days, you'll be out of church. One of these days, you'll never do your ministry again. One of these days, you'll get bitter against God and say, I I put in all this for the Lord. And where did it ever get me? Folks, I want to preach this message tonight. Fix the problem. Fix the problem. I want to show you, first of all, though, in this passage, there's commendable performance. There are commendable performance, verses 1 through 3. Says unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, write these things, saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand and walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I want to stop there at that point. They had a commendable performance. Don't get me wrong, folks. This was a great church. Right. And that's probably an understatement. They worked their tails off for the Lord. They went out there. They put blood, sweat and tears into their service for God. They had commendable performance. I want to show you, first of all, though, there was a singular addressee. He says, unto unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write. It's singular, and it's written to one individual. If you go back probably one page for me, and for some of you maybe on the same page, to the last part of chapter 1, the last verse, verse number 20 of Revelation chapter 1, it says, The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars, catch this, because this is what we're dealing with, 
The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. Revelation 2 and 3 in the book of Revelation, they deal with seven actual churches that existed in Asia Minor in that day and age. Okay, there were seven churches. This is the first letter, letter to these churches. It's the church of Ephesus as we know. So he's saying these stars represent the angels of those, of those churches. And then the candlesticks refer to the churches themselves. Okay, we understand that so far? Right. All right. So the stars refer to the angels and the candlesticks refer to the churches. We get back to verse number one of chapter two. He says, under the angel of the church of Ephesus, right. Now, folks, when we talk about angels most of the time, we're talking about those that fly around. We think of the halo over their head and all that kind of stuff. Can I tell you, I believe this is not talking about that type of angel. The Greek word means messenger, messenger. And several times in the Bible, it's this same word refers to John the Baptist. He wasn't a fly around angel. You agree right, with me? Right. All right. It referred to the servants of John the Baptist. They weren't heavenly angels as we think of them. And sometimes it refers to the disciples. And they certainly weren't angels all the right. time, if you know what I'm saying. Right. So who is this referring to? It says unto the angel of the church of Ephesus. Right. It's the messenger of that church. You know who I think is referring to the pastor. The pastor of that particular church. Folks, it's addressed to him singularly, only him, specifically him. You say, what's the big deal about that? Can I tell you? Um, we know this, I believe, but being a pastor is a big deal. It doesn't mean you're better than anybody, but it means you have a huge responsibility yes, dropped on your so shoulders. That's right. I love this about the book of Revelation. He says, unto the angel of the church of Ephesus. Listen, he doesn't write it to the deacon board. He doesn't write it to the, to the in crowd. He doesn't write it to the staff. Right. He says unto the angel, the messenger, the pastor. Folks, can I tell you that's a huge responsibility? Yes. Can I tell you the pastor has a huge accountability on his shoulders? Yes. Hey, you say, what does that have to do with us? Our pastor isn't here. Okay, if you're preaching to him, sorry, he ain't here. <laughs> you missed your target audience, all right? No, that's not my purpose tonight. You know what our job is? Hebrews 13, 17, obey them to have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Right. Listen, you know why? Because they watch for our souls. Yes. They have to give an account for us right. of what they talk to us and how they, how they live the Christian life in front of us. Right. And listen, it's saying we should obey them and submit to them. You know why? So that they can give an account of us and do it with joy and not with grief. That's right. Brother Tut, you have it in your class. I have it in my class. You say, Brother Tom, this is going to sound bad. Yeah, it probably does, but it's true. Listen, there's some people that come to your mind. I'm, talk I'm not talking about personality. I'm not talking about they like this team and he likes LeBron and we all know MJ's the best. Yeah, I'm not talking about that. Take that, Tom. No, I'm just kidding. All right? We're not talking about that. But listen, I'm talking about spiritually. Right. There's those that you try to help and nothing happens. Right. There's those that you try to encourage. Nothing happens. There's those you try to push. You do everything. You pray for them. Nothing happens. Right. You know it as well as I know it. When those people come to your mind and they come across your prayer list that you need to pray for them, there is grief. There is heaviness. There's yes. a burden on your heart. You just say, God, do something with them. Please right. get them moving. Right. Right. And then there are others that are in your class or on your bus. They're a joy to work with. Yeah. You teach them something, they soak it up like a sponge right. and they start living for God. And you say, wow, why isn't everybody like this? Hey, folks, can I tell you, in a much larger scale, our pastor does that for all of us. That's exactly right. Hey, hey, hey. If he had to stand at the judgment seat of Christ right now for this church, who would bring him grief and who would bring him joy? Right. 
The commendable performance. They had a singular addressee. He's saying, unto the angel, the church of Ephesus, right? He's saying, this is to the pastor. By the way, real quick, I want to hit this and move on. In a lot of evangelical churches, it's very popular nowadays to talk about this plural eldership thing. And you say, what is that talking about? Basically, they have a bunch of pastors. Can I tell you, you don't have a bunch of pastors. You have one pastor. Listen, and listen, the church elects that pastor. They vote on that pastor. And then he leads the church as God leads him. And you know what our job is? To, to, uh, is, is to do is not to critique him, is not to say, well, that pastor down the road does it a lot better. That's not our job. You know, our job to follow him That's right. and to help him and to encourage him and to pray for him. Amen. He's Amen. responsible to God for us. Right. That's a big deal. Yes, it is. The singular addressee. I want you to see also the sovereign author. The sovereign author. He says, under the angel of the church of Ephesus, right. These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Can I tell you who that is? Jesus. That's right. The sovereign author. He says, listen to that. I, I love that. He says those stars, those pastors, those angels. He's saying, I hold them in my Amen. right hand. He, I, to me, that indicates his possession. Yes. They're special to him. And he possesses them. And then also it says he holdeth the seven stars in his right hand. And then he walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. We said those refer to seven actual churches that existed back then. Can I tell you, though, these seven churches, I believe, are representative of all churches. That's right. The characteristics that are presented in them, I believe, are characteristics that you see all throughout church history. Right. And you can also follow it through church history, but I'm not trying to get into that. But listen. He possesses them, and he says he walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Can I tell you, his presence is here. Amen. He walks in the midst. You know what that tells me, Brother Mendoza? That he cares. He's interested. Amen. He's looking in. He's, he's observing. He's yes. seeing what's going on. Yes. Yes. Listen, folks, when we come here, it's not, it's not we just do our own thing, and we just throw Jesus' name in it. Listen, it's all about him. Amen. Every sermon should lift him up. Every song should lift him up. Our lives and our testimony should lift him up. Amen. It should all be about him, the singular addressee. It's to the pastor of that particular church and the sovereign author. He's saying, I possess you and my presence is there. I walk in the midst. Right. Can I tell you, it's very serious, though. Verse number two. He says, I know thy works. Yep. Gulp, right? I call that the sober, sobering assessment. Folks, can I tell you? It really doesn't matter what the church down the street thinks of us. It really doesn't matter what some people in the church think of the church. Right. Jesus is watching what we do. Amen. He says, I know thy works. And this word, looking it up, was very interesting. There's one Greek word that means you're acquiring knowledge, you're learning can I tell you, Jesus isn't learning about our church. He knows everything already. Exactly it's, right. it's indicative of perfect knowledge, total knowledge. Amen. Can I tell you, when he looks at Woodlawn Baptist Church, he knows everything that's going on. That's right. He's not acquiring information. He's not adding to his, to his information bank. He knows it all. The Amen. sobering assessment. On every route, he knows your work. Yes. In every class, he knows your work. Teenager, he knows your work. Amen. Adult, he knows your work. Yes. Mom and dad, he knows your work. He knows what we're all about. He knows what we're doing, folks. We cannot hide from him. No. He knows all about us. He knows everything about our church. Amen. Can I tell you, though, their service was admirable. 
This was a great church. I keep emphasizing it. Let me just prove it to you. All right. Verse number two, he says, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience. How thou canst not bear them which are evil. Thou hast tried them which say they're apostles and are not. You found them liars. Their service was admirable. They, they were diligent in their doing. These people did not run a bus route one time and say, no, that ain't for me and walk away from it. Right. These people were diligent. They were after it. They did it over and over and over again. That word works in verse number two, I know thy works. It means this, their toil, their effort. They were trying. They were giving their all to it. Amen. That sounds like a good church. And then it says, and thy labor. This one blows me away, Brother Tut. It means to the point of exhaustion. Right. They wore themselves out. I mean, listen, I know some people in this room, this is how it works. You put so much effort into it, mental effort, physical effort, emotional effort, you get a headache afterwards. That's what I'm talking about. They, right. they suffered weariness. They suffered tiredness. They suffered pain because of what they put into serving God Amen. to the point of exhaustion. And then it says they had patience. Folks, that's talking about they had endurance. Yeah. They stuck it out. They were in it for the long haul. They, they stayed with it. Listen, when people broke their heart and walked away from God, they didn't quit. Right. Listen, and we have a room full of people that are faithful and thank God. But can I challenge you? Stay faithful. Amen. And those of us that are younger, just starting out, stay in there. Yes. Listen, I wish, I wish it wasn't true that we'll have hard times and that we'll have bumps on the road and people will stab us in the back. But it's going to happen. Yes. But who are you doing it for? Right. Their service was admirable. They were diligent in their doing. They worked hard. They wore themselves out and they were patient. They had endurance and constancy. Do you have endurance in your life? Yeah. How often is it that one problem hits our lives and we're, you know, I'm not doing that anymore. Oh. Hey, hey, hey. It happens all the time. It happens with the young people. Listen, we make all these decisions. I'm all for every youth conference. Right. But you know what I'm more for? You taking those, the, the messages from those youth conferences and living it out. Amen. And listen, when people talk against you, keep living it out. Amen. Listen, when it gets hard and when people laugh at you, keep doing it. Yeah. Not because it's popular. Listen, at the youth conferences, it's popular to serve God and to put him first. But in many of your neighborhoods, it's not popular. Right. In some of your homes, it's not popular. Right. Listen, it, it gets hard when you go back to public school or when you go to a Christian school where most of students don't act like Christians. Right. It's not popular anymore. But where do you stand? Right. Again, why do you do what you do? These people were diligent in their doing, and then they had doctrinal discernment. I want you to see the next part of the verse. It says, How you, thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they're apostles and are not. You found them liars. Listen, not only were they diligent in their doing, but folks, these people were sharp doctrinally. They had a doctrinal discernment. You say, what is that talking about? They knew what the word of God said. And if somebody didn't match up with that, get rid of them. Yep. They reproved and rebuked those that were living wickedly and evilly. Listen, if those people got right, they welcomed them in. If those people didn't want to hear it, they said, there's the door. Yep. They reproved it. They called it out. Amen. Can I tell you the church, uh, I'm talking about Christianity broadly nowadays, they don't call out sin anymore. Listen, we need to call out what the Bible says. The Bible says, listen, we need to preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. You know what that means? Sometimes we got to call stuff out. And that's not the preacher doing it. That's the word of God doing it. The doctrinal discernment. And then I like this one. Some people were showing up to this church saying, oh, I'm apostle so-and-so. And they check these guys out, say, no, heretic. 
They check these guys out, say, no, apostate. And they said, you're a liar. Get out of here. Right. Hey, folks, can I just remind you, everybody uh, that's preaching on TV is not preaching the true gospel. Everybody on the radio is not preaching the, the, the true gospel. Right. Listen, you better hold on to what's right. And if it doesn't sound right according to the word of God, listen, they may have great speaking ability. They may be eloquent. They may have they may have. It seems like billions of people that go to their church. But if it's not coming from the Bible, it's not right. Reject them. Amen. Can I tell you, this church did. They weren't going to hear it. If it didn't line up with scripture, they would not hear. And can I remind you also, we do not have apostles today. That's right. If there are apostles today, that dude's going to be 2,000 plus years old because an apostle had to see Jesus Christ personally. Right. Last time I checked, there ain't too many people 2,000 years old walking on the earth right now. That's right. Or rolling in their wheelchairs, all right? <laughs> Some of you are like, well, it could be that. No, no, it's not. The diligent doing the doctrinal discernment. Listen, they knew what they believed and they stood strong on it. They called out wickedness and evil. And if people were shysters, they called them out. Right. And then the, they had durability that was displayed. Verse number three, check this out. Thou hast borne and hast patience and for my namesake hast labored and hast not fainted. You know what that tells me? These people stuck with it. Yes. Over the long haul. It says they borne. That means to carry, yes. to be under a heavy load. And they had patience that that endurance pops up again. And why did they do it? They did it for Christ's namesake. Amen. And they didn't faint. faint. They continued on. Yes. Have you been thinking about giving up your ministry? Have you been getting discouraged? Can I tell you, you should do it for the Lord and you should continue on. Amen. They had commendable performance, though. You know, Brother Sutt, if we were looking at this church from the outside, man, we, they got it all together. Hey, I'm, I'm sure this was a soul winning church. I'm sure this was an aggressive church. I'm sure, Kevin, they preached the word of God strong, hot, and, and the pulpit was fiery, and they lived holy, and the families were together. I'm sure this was a great church, a commendable performance. But point number two, there was a concerning problem. Right. It looked like they had it all together. Great church, works hard, stuck with it, believed right, served God, and sacrificed. But there was a concerning problem, verse number four. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Folk, this church had it going on. They had everything it seems like a church should have. They worked hard. They believed right. They did it all. But you know what Jesus said? Hold up, hold up, hold up. Got something against you guys. Amen. A concerning problem. Yeah. That first word in verse number four, nevertheless. You know what it means? In spite of all that I just said. Hold up. Hold up. In spite of all that I just said, hey, you work hard and you've stuck with it and you've worked to the point of exhaustion and you, you know your Bible. And if people are evil, you call it out. And if people are, are fake me out, apostles, you reject them and all this kind of stuff. And he lays it out saying you did good and good and good and good. But hold up. In spite of all that, there's something that overrides all of that. Right. And folks, get the wording of this verse. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. Can you imagine if that was said to you? Right. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. The charge that came from the Lord. And we've heard this preached many times, but he says, because thou hast left thy first love. Folks, listen, he does not say you've lost your first love. It does not say that. No. He says you left it. Yep. 
Can I tell you, maybe at the beginning it was imperceptible. Maybe it began to drift on them and to kind of slip away and they didn't notice. But when it says the word left, you know what that means? There was a conscious choice in their life to right. leave it behind. That's right. You say, what are you even talking about? I'm so lost here. Listen, they were still doing all the good stuff. Folks, they still had modesty, which we still believe in, by the way. Right. Listen, they were still running buses. They were still soul winning. They were after people. They believed their Bibles. They had the right kind of Bible. They believed it. They preached it. They tried to live it. But something was missing. Right. They thought they could just do the outward. They thought they could just do the externals. As long as we sing the right kind of songs, and as long as we preach the right kind of messages, and as long as we buy the right type of clothing, somewhere along the line, they thought it doesn't matter what's going on in our hearts. Jesus says, you're sadly mistaken. He says, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. It, this was a choice somewhere along the line. This was not something that just slipped past their acknowledgement. They left it. This was yeah, a choice. Right. And folks, he says, you've left your first love. What is that talking about? Your first love. You know what it means? It's talking about. When you first got saved, you were so excited. You were so into it. You wanted to do anything. Like they say, you wanted to charge hell with a super soaker, man. You were in, you were in on it. You wanted to serve God in any way possible. Pastor, what do you need me to do? You know, pastor's got this long list. Hold on a second. <laughs> You're like, uh-oh. <laughs> Can you pick one thing, you know? But you were in on it. Listen, do you remember that when you got saved and you got serious with God? Listen, every, every day you open your Bible, it was sweet to you. You couldn't wait to get into it. You couldn't wait to talk to God in prayer. Do you remember that? On Thursday night, I was so excited. I had uh, the guys with me. We dropped a group of them off, and then we went. I took Aiden with me. We went to a different area to do a visit. And we've been training these guys how to soul win, trying to help them with that. And then Aiden, we were pulling up into the parking lot, and I see a teenager walking down the sidewalk. I said, go try Go try Go Go. Do what you can. And first he goes out there and he's trying to give him the track. And the, the teenager he's trying to talk to keeps walking. That's not a good sign. Okay? Because I'm over there from like 100 feet away. Like, come on, stop. Lord, stop him. Like, come on. Have a, have a tree fall. Like, no, don't hit him. But just stop him. Come on, Lord. You know? Stop him in his tracks. Yeah, and Aiden's talking to him. And this kid just keeps rolling. I'm like, dude, stop. You know? <laughs> You're trying to counteract the rotation of the earth? Or what are you doing? Just stop. He keeps walking. Well, I need to go in and do my visit. I say, Lord, please, please give Aiden the chance here. Aiden's trying to live for the Lord. And a lot of these young guys are. And I'm proud Amen. of them. But listen, Amen. he's trying to live for the Lord. And, and finally, I'm about to go in the building. And I see the, the teenager stop. And I'm over there. Yes. Lord, you got to do this. Please work this out. Listen, I'm doing the visit. Let's well, I'm knocking on the door. Nobody answers. And I'm just like. Would you want to hurry up? You know, I want to get back out there and see the action. I had a front row seat. I wanted to see what was going on. Knock on the door again. Knock on the door again. Nobody comes. I literally run. This is a big apartment building. I literally run back to the front door. But then I just play it cool once I walk outside. You know, just, you know, get out of that you know push the door open. Hmm, I wonder how the weather. I didn't care about the weather. All right? And I look over there. I see these two young men with their heads down, eyes closed. And then I see them lift their heads back up and Aiden shake his hand, give him the track, and then they part company. And I go over there. I kind of already knew John, but I was like, you know, tell me, tell me the good news, confirm it to me. 
And I go, you know, I give them the universal sign for what's going on. You know, like, <laughs> come on, come on. You know, about to get on some of y'all real quick. Like the juicy gossip, like, give it to me, you know? <laughs> Tell me why she said that or whatever. I'm like, come on, what, what happened, what happened? And he just smiles a little bit and he shakes his head. I'm like, yes! <laughs> Folks, that's what it's all about. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Listen, I told Aiden, you'll never forget that. You will never forget it. And I tell you, I don't think that young man will ever forget it either. No. Folks, that's what it's all about. Amen. Listen, if we don't watch it, Jamal, we can, we can go out visiting and just be like, oh, let's get this over with. Or we can have that first love again for the Lord and say, Lord, please, please give me an opportunity. Lord, please give me one person to talk to. Please, God, give me one person that I can witness to. Help them to listen. Help them to get saved, Lord, please. Or we can just put our time in and get it over with. The compulsion, your first love. Can I remind you? The Bible commands all of us, all of us, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's not just written to pastors. No. That's not just written to missionaries. That's not just written to the elite in Christianity, whatever that means. That's written to every single one of us. You know what your job is? Love God with all your your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You know what my job is? Love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I told the junior girls, I think last week, you know what their job is? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Yeah. The teenagers, that's your job too. The adults, that's our job too. Right. Yes. And why do we love him? Because he first loved us. Amen. You would be burning in hell right now if not for Jesus. If not right. for on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the right. emblem of suffering and shame. And on that old cross, the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. If he didn't do that, we'd all be in hell right now. Yeah. Right now. Have we forgotten that? Have we gotten so professional in Christianity that we sing the perfect way and we preach the perfect way and we know all the mannerisms and we know all the outward routine, but we have no heart anymore? Hey, listen, I get on my guys sometimes. They're good guys. But sometimes I say, guys, let's not get so polished that we don't have any passion for the Lord anymore. Right. Listen, I, I, if you look sharp, great for you. If you have the matching tie and the little pocket square and all that kind of stuff, great for you. But if you won't go witness to a bus kid that's dirty and smelly, if you won't pick up some trash off the ground, we got a world of problems. Yeah, there's an issue. Listen, these guys do a great job with the five minutes, and I'm proud of them. But listen, it's not just about performing for five minutes. It's about how you live 24-7. Right. It's about having a heart for God. Amen. The Bible says the end of the commandment, talking about all the word of God, the point of it all is charity out of a pure heart. You know what it's talking about? The point of everything that we preach, the point of everything that we teach, the point of everything that we do as Christians is to love God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. Amen. This church was doing a great job in many areas, but they were completely missing the boat in their love for the Lord. That's right. The concerning problem. Folks, this love that's talked about, it means total commitment. It means a, all your loyalty given to the Lord. Amen. It's talking about that you want to serve God. Right. Hey, can I ask you a, a series of simple questions, but I think if we'll listen to them, they'll get down to the heart of it. Do you... Look forward to reading your Bible. Do you want to? Amen. Do you want to pray? Yeah. Just listen. Just listen. Do you want to come to church? Do you want to serve God? I get it. Listen, I get it. We have those days. We just have to push through. I get it. And brother said, I think you mentioned something along these lines. That happens in every single one of our lives. But you can't live there all the time. No. That needs to be an occasional dip and then you come right back up and you you love what you're doing. Yes. 
Folks, when we get to witness to people, that is a privilege of God. Amen. Listen, when we get to come to the house of God, Kevin, you were talking about it this morning, I believe. People in China don't have this ability to, no. to congregate as Christians. No. North Korea, are you kidding me? They have, to, they have to have underground churches. They have to whisper the songs that they sing. Right. If they get one page of the Bible, it's precious to them. Right. I heard it mentioned by a couple people today. Many of you seen a video from Brother Garraway when, I believe it's in China, there's a shipment of Bibles that arrives. Have you ever seen that video from Brother Garraway? It's several years ago. I don't know. I, I don't remember the name of it. But these people open up this carton of Bibles, this container of Bibles. You would never, you've never seen a reaction like that to someone getting a Bible before. Right. I'm talking about people weeping. They're holding it to their heart. They're thanking God for one copy of the Bible. That's right. We got about 12 of them and we don't know where half of them are. Where's that passion? Right. You say, well, this is America. I understand that. But do we have that same love for God like those right. people do? We have a lot of opportunities in this country, but do we use them for God? Or do we right. just take them for granted? We may not have those opportunities for too much longer. Right. They had left their first love. The excitement was gone. The enjoyment was gone. Listen, this kind of love, there's an eagerness to please God. An eagerness to please God. Hey, folks, when we learn something about the Bible, does it excite us? Do we say, I want to go do that? I want to put that into my life? Or is it just, oh, got that over with. Check, moving on. Is there devotion? Is there, there that unrestricted willingness? Well, tell, you mentioned it. Lord, whatever you want me to do. Right. Folks, if God wanted any, any one of us in the room to do this, we should have a willingness to God to drop everything and to do what he said. If he said, I want you to be a missionary right now on the other side of the world, are we willing to drop what we have here? Every once in a while, I have to remind myself, Lord, everything I have, have belongs to you. That's right. Everything. Yeah. People, I'm going to take what's mine. You got nothing. That's right. No. Nothing you have belongs to you. That's right. That's probably terrible English, but I hope you understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> Ain't nothing. You know, I'm staring at us over there like fidgeting, like, ah, Todd, get my pills. You know, like, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I won't be in trouble later, right? We're going we're gonna to use the back exit as soon as church is over. Like, so all because of Troy, all because of Troy, you know. As soon as we mention Troy, everybody, oh, you know, so we're good, you know. It's all good. The concerning problem. Hey, folks, are you doing all the outward things perfectly? You have all your... Uh, 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 T's cross, I's dotted, but on the inside there's no heart for God anymore. Mm -hmm. Can I say, I've, I've been there plenty of times. Are you there now? The commendable performance, the concerning problem, point number three and last. This had reached a critical point. That's my last idea. I want to, oh yeah, like Thomas said, another one. The critical point. The critical point. Verse number five strikes me so strongly. It hits hard. So he's just telling, he's just told them, listen, you've done all these good things, but you've allowed, you've, you've walked away from your first love. You don't have that same excitement, that same enjoyment, that same passion for the Lord like you used to. You're still doing it. Brother Bill, there's still momentum. 
but there's not the same oomph that you used to have. That's a problem, folks. Yes. Listen, I'm glad you haven't quit. We should never quit on God. That's right. But listen, just running on momentum is not okay either. No. Verse number five, the critical point. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Again, this is Jesus saying this. The critical point. He's saying this is of the utmost importance. You know, he's saying, nevertheless, you have left your first love. And you know what he's saying? In essence, you need to take care of that right now. Yes. You can't put that off, folks. Listen, you can't put that off till the next conference that we have. No. You can't put that off till next year. No. And man, maybe when pastor does the next vision night or the next youth conference, you can't wait that long. This is urgent. Jesus said, remember now. Get, take, the, take care of this thing right now. This is a critical point. Man. And he's saying you're going to have to do some serious work. Folks, I love these things, and I'll try to be fast with them. Verse number five. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. Brother Tut, they have not quit serving God. And this is a different message for a different day, but I want to mention it just real quick. They have not quit serving God, but what does Jesus call what they did? That you've fallen. Does that not blow you away? Folks, usually when we talk about you fell, a Christian fell, we're talking about serious sin, right? Something earth-shattering. Oh, no! He's saying, remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. You know what he's saying? Remember how you used to love serving me. Right. Remember the passion that you used to have. Remember when you used to give it your all and you used to enjoy serving God and, 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 and you would just put everything you had into it and you loved every second of it. He's saying, remember that. Remember your past. Hey, folks, do you just read your Bible now as a chore? Do you just get through your prayer list? Because if you don't, I mean, you don't want to be one of them lousy Christians, so just get it over with. Is your service for God a drudgery? Folks, you remember when you first got saved, as I said earlier, you would open your Bible. God, talk to me today. Right. You thought it was the highest privilege in the universe, which it is, to get on your knees and that God would listen to your prayers. But now it's just, Lord... Okay, you know, help nothing bad to happen to me. Bless my family. Amen. And you used to look at your, <laughs> you used to look at your service for God as an opportunity to show your love to him. You know, but uh, you ask somebody to work on the bus, me, you think I'm worthy? We're like, oh yeah, you're worthy. <laughs> you know, come on, you're, you're definitely worthy. You're way past the, you know, the litmus test. Yeah, you're good. You really think God would trust me with that? You're like, oh, yeah, yeah. I talked to him. He's good with it. You know? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not trying to be careless with it. But listen, you used, to, you used to view your service for God as that important. When did that change? Right. When is it? Oh, Sunday morning already? Did we skip a few days? You know, I need to check my calendar. Can I swear this, this, this week was about four days long? Another lesson? Oh. What do they think I am? You know, some Bible theologian? This is killing me. Folks, I get it. Sometimes, as pastor says, we get tired. Uh, we get tired in the work, but let's not get tired of the right, work. Right. We get to do it for the Lord. Listen, if you're picking up trash, you're doing it for the Lord. Yes. That's a great service to God. Amen. If you're running a bus route, if you're teaching a class, if you're encouraging people, if you're passing out candy, if you're singing songs with them, if you're teaching a Bible lesson to them, that is your service to God. That's an opportunity to show God how much you love him. If you love me, keep my commandments. Amen. 
It's serious work. You know what Jesus said? Hey, if this is you tonight, if you have this problem, fix the problem. How do you do it? Remember your past. Right. Listen, you're never going to think of it as a big deal until you look back on how you used to love God and then look at where you are now. Right. And say, it doesn't match up. Do you remember when you were eager to knock on doors? I was after that great thing happened with Aiden on Thursday night. I was telling the story of when I first led my personal Lord. God did a miracle that they actually understood the gospel because I don't know what I was talking about. I was about 13. The guy with me uh, didn't want to let me knock on doors. I'm over here. Come on, man. I know what I'm doing. Come on. Let me try. Let me try. It was like the last door that we ever did or that night before we went home. Come on, man. Give me a chance. Give me a chance. Give me a chance. Come on, man. I won't mess it up. I won't say anything dumb. Come on. Fine. I knock on the door. They open up. I'm like, uh-oh. You know, like, <laughs> I didn't expect that. You know, I expected another. Well, praise God. You know, I, hey, I tried. You know, I gave them the chance. But no, they opened up. I'm like, it was a, another teenager about my age. I said, hello. He said, hello. All right. I gave him the track. This is from our church. And I don't even know what I said but from that point. But I said, do you think you go to heaven when you die? No, I don't think so. Well, what would you like to know? Sure. Folks, I'm not lying. I'm preaching, but I'm not lying. All right. <laughs> I, got, I promise. I got the track out and I started explaining to him. Boy, I... You know, you're supposed to go one, two, three, four, like yeah. we've sinned, we deserve hell, Jesus died for us, and then accept that. That's kind of how you lay it out, supposed to. I said, you're a sinner, you're on, on the first verse. I said, you're a sinner on your way to hell, Jesus died for you, and if you accept him right now. I read one verse and explained all four. <laughs> I'm like, why focus on the negative? Let's get to the positive, you know? You're a sinner, but there's good news. You know, like, man, I just, whoop, right to the end. I said, would you like to pray? Yeah. Bow your head and close your eyes. I didn't bow my head and close my eyes. You say, why not? Because I didn't know the sinner's prayer to lead him in it. <laughs> bow your head and close your eyes. Close them. You know. <laughs> Dear Jesus. Dear Jesus. <laughs> I promise. I promise. I didn't know. I didn't know. But he prayed to get saved. Amen. And then they closed the door. Nice talking to you. They closed the door. Yeah. You know. And then don't do that. We're right outside the door. So you have to wait till you get outside and then you get excited. I didn't know what I was doing. But you know what? God will take those that don't know what they're doing if they have a heart for God. Amen. They want to do something. Amen. But we get so polished. Oh, that's not the professional uh, way to present the gospel. He's probably a heretic now. No, can we just get a heart for God again? That's right. I, hey, we should know how to do things correctly and properly and with excellence. But sometimes we get so stuck on that and we have no heart for God anymore. Let's remember our past. Let's remember how we used to have a passion for God and get it back again. He's saying, remember your past. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. And what does he say? And repent. Well, these are good Christians. Do good Christians need to repent? Absolutely. A good church doesn't need to repent. You better believe it. They're still serving God. They're still wearing themselves out. They've worked hard. They have labor and patience. They're rejecting the false apostles. He says, but you remember what you used to be and repent. Right. Folks, I'm not trying to get in anybody's face and start anything, but can I say you can be a a Christian for 30, 40 years, and you might have to repent tonight, and I might might have to repent tonight. Right. That's right. These are strong words. Amen. Remember your past and Repent presently, right now. Repent. And what does he say? Do the first works. Now, I don't think he means you got to switch yourself back to your baby Christian again and you don't know know anything anymore. I don't think that's what it's talking about. It doesn't mean that, you know, Brother Todd, if if 
I'm just throwing this out there. When you first got in the bus ministry, uh, maybe you weren't a teacher at that point. I'm making this up as I go. Don't, uh, don't quote everything I say right here, okay? But it's not saying you have to quit teaching and you just need to go back to doing it. It's not saying that. You know what I think it's saying? Get the same heart that you used to have back then. Yeah, that's it. Listen, you can still keep doing what you're doing if you're teaching and if you're preaching and if you're running that bus or whatever you do around here, all the ministries that you do, you can keep doing those, but get the same heart that you used to have when you were a new Christian. Right, right. Get the same heart that you used to have when you were on fire for God. Yeah. Get that back and do the first works. Right. Hey, go soul wanting like the first time you did. With that heart, with that passion, with that excitement. Hey, you thought everybody you talked to was going to get saved. And it crushed you when they didn't. But now it's just like, ah, eh, we're used to it. Do the first works. He's saying, remember your past, repent presently right now and return to passion hey folks let's get back to the reason why we do what we do you know what the reason is is jesus yeah the purpose listen you drive your bus because of jesus that's right listen you sing songs to lift up jesus you preach to lift up jesus listen yeah. we so win to lift him up everything that we do should be for him you know why you should be faithful because you love god Amen. Young people, you know why you should honor your parents? Because you love God. Right. Everything that we do, that should be the purpose. That should be the driving force. That should be the reason behind, behind everything that we do. He's the reason Amen. for everything that we do. Yes. Return to passion. And then the last part of verse number five. So he says, remember your past, repent presently, and return to passion. And then there is a severe warning. Folks, I'll shut it down after this. Subpoint, but verse number five, he says, Remember, therefore, once thou art fallen, repent, do the first works. Get this again, Jesus is saying this, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. There's a severe warning. Yep. You know what he says? If you don't repent and get your life back on track now and start doing things because you love me again. And start having your purpose back where it should be. You know what he says? I will remove your candlestick. What does the candlestick represent in Revelation chapter 2? The church. And at this point, folks, I don't think he's saying he's going to remove the pastor. I think he's saying that church will no longer exist. Or if it does, Brother Tut, there will be no power. There will be no touch of God. There will be no presence of God. They'll just go through the empty motions and nothing will ever happen because God says, I got nothing to do with that place. Right. Whew. Is that serious or what? The severe warning. He says, I'll remove your place. This is severe. He's saying, or else. Right. Or else. And it, he says, I will come unto thee quickly. Suddenly. Yep. He's saying, you can just go on your merry way and then one day all gone right i will remove that candlestick from his place and then he emphasizes this is strict you know the only way out of this predicament the last three words except thou repent that's it right there's no other options right he's saying listen either you get right either you repent and get back to doing things because you have a passion for me or this place will be shut down one day right Folks, I love this place, Woodlawn Baptist Church. Amen. I hope that it exists until Jesus comes back. Amen. However long that is. Right. But can I tell you something? If we don't have a passionate love for God, it won't. No. Amen. 
Folks, if we, listen, if we don't love God like we should, it's a cancer. It may be small now, but it'll continue to grow. It'll eat away. And before long, like I said, you won't come to church, neither will I. You won't serve God, and neither will I. And we'll just say, yeah, you remember what we used to do back in the day? Mm-hmm. Folks, a conference we were at a few years ago, I'll finish with this. A conference we were at a few years ago in Kentucky, a man told a story. I think it was out in the Midwest, this church. It was a thriving church. Missionaries sent out of it all over the world. This was back in the day. Uh, this was a long time ago. This was back in the day when we didn't have the communication abilities that we do now. This missionary went across the world and was there for a long time, 30 years, I believe it was, or more. And he came back at the front of this church that was so thriving, they would have a big banner. This will sound familiar to us. A big banner at the front. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And it was at the front of the church, and everyone, as soon as they walked in, would see it every time they came in. You know what sadly happened? That missionary came back to that church all those decades later. He went to that church property. The grass was grown up. The windows were boarded up. Everything was shut down. The for sale sign was out in the lawn. He walked into that church. Somehow he found some way to get in. And you know, that banner was still up. You could still read the Letters up there. But one letter had fallen off. You know what letter it was? The first letter, the letter W. It used to read, where there is no vision, the people perish. You know what it now read? Here, there is no vision, the people perish. Right. Folks, that could be us. Yep. That could be us. Yep. I want my son to be able to grow up to a Woodlawn Baptist church that continues on, thriving. Amen. Not just not just holding on and, and just living off a of momentum from decades ago, right. but a passionate love for God now. Amen. And listen, we need we have uh, um, servants of God here that are faithful and that you've served God for decades. Can I tell you, stay at it, stay at it, stay at it, stay at it. Amen. You can have the thought, well, I put in my time, let somebody else. Listen, can I tell you, serve God every day you can. But number two, we do need some younger people to step up. That's right. But when the young people step up, we don't need the old people to say, well, let them take care of it. I'm out. We need everybody to step up. Amen. That's what the church is for. Yeah. You know what Jesus says? He says, church of Ephesus, you've done a lot of good things. You work hard. You know your doctrine. You got it all down. But you got a problem. Yeah. Somewhere along the line, you've left your first love. And he says, you know what? This has reached a critical point. You got to take care of this thing, and you got to take care of it right now. Amen. Remember where you used to be? Repent and do the first works. Work for God now with the same heart that you used to have. He says, or else I'm going to remove your candlestick from you. I'm going to take the church out of there. Except thou repent. You know what Jesus is saying with a stern warning? Fix the problem. Folks, that's the message tonight. I know it was serious. I know it's strong. This is what God told me to preach. I beg you, listen, you say, yeah, as Woodlawn, yeah, let's fix the problem. No, 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 that's not how it works. The church is made up of individuals. Amen. And each one of us, each one of us has to look into our heart and say, Lord, do I love you like I should? Do I have that same passion for you that I used to? If there is ever a point in your life where you love God more than you do now, you're backsliding. Right. And we think, come on, come on, come on. That's just preacher talk. No, that's real talk. That's real talk. Listen, 
let's ask God, God, is there some area in my life where I don't love you like I should? Right. And if so, God, would you help me? God, would you fix the problem? Because I want this place to last a long time and to thrive and to reach our community and to grow. Amen. To get new people in, to train them, and we keep doing it over and over and over. That's called the Great Commission. Yes. That's our job. But Jesus says, church, let's fix the problem. Amen. Let's bow our head and close our eyes. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to preach your word.